This week we're looking at Psalm 100. It's one of the oldest psalms in the book. We believe it was written by Moses. Yesterday we looked at verse 1, shout for joy to the Lord all the earth. Today we move on uh, and look at the next couple of verses. Let me read verse 2 for you. Worship the Lord with gladness, come before him with joyful singing. So it's worth noting uh, we are never told to worship, right? We are always told to worship God. That's because we do worship. We cannot help but worship. We organize our lives around things that we value. We pay attention to certain things. We, we celebrate and get excited about certain things. Worship takes place all the time. People are moved spontaneously to, uh, to be excited about whatever they get excited about, right? So you hear a lot of worship. I, you know, this is probably getting tired by now, but I frequently say when people ask me what's the biggest uh, church in Chicago, I say, well, on you know Sunday afternoons in the fall, the biggest worship services are always held at Soldier Field. So just noting, the, the, the Bible doesn't tell us to worship. It tells us to direct our worship at God. We are invited, encouraged to focus on him, to, to ponder his goodness, to ponder his love and his greatness and his graciousness, thus to have our heart you know, shaped in that direction. So reading on, come before him with joyful songs. You, you might have wondered why we sing at church. I mean, for the most part, most men anyway, uh, as adults, don't sing. Uh, maybe happy birthday, but um, and, and maybe you know, bear down or a, a, a college fight song. But for the most part, um, we don't sing. But the Bible commands us to sing six hundred times. It's like one of the most one of the most frequently reported uh, commands that we get in the Bible. We are told to sing. Uh, a second reason we sing is because it moves us in unique ways. Uh, singing moves us. And, and not all singing, but some singing engages us in, in profound ways. And it puts us in a certain mood and disposition. Reading on, verse 3. Know that the Lord is God. So, I'll just note here that the term used here for Lord is the, is the Hebrew word Adonai, excuse me, it's not the Hebrew word Adonai, it's the Hebrew word Yahweh. So in, if, you, um, if you attend Christ Church, you were here for the Exodus series, you know that, uh, that the English Bible translates two different words, Lord. One of them is the Hebrew word for Lord, Adonai, and this means master or God, uh, but the but because the Jews were very concerned about taking the name of the Lord uh, in vain, uh, which is the name given to Moses by God in Exodus chapter 3, when Moses says, this is the burning bush, who are you, what is your name? God reveals his covenant name, the Tetragrammaton, one of the few times in Hebrew in the Hebrew Bible one of the few times in the Hebrew language where you have a four-letter, uh, four-radical word in the Hebrew. 
So tetra means four. So most Hebrew words have just three consonants. We call them radicals in Hebrew. Just have three uh, consonants. But the tetragrammaton, it's this unique word. It's the name of God. It's his covenant name. It's not a title like Adonai or El Shaddai or El Elyon or all these other things. It was God's name. And it, and it translates, I am. And, and it, beyond that, it sort of translates, I am who I am. God is saying to Moses, I will be who I will be, not who you make me. Uh, but that name is considered so holy, especially given the second commandment, which is, you know, don't take the name of the Lord your God in vain, that, uh, that the Jews didn't want to say it. And so when they came to this word, Yahweh, in the Bible, they, they wrote it as Lord. More to, the, more to that account than I'm giving you. But um, it's worth noting that here, the Hebrew word that's being used is, um, is the word Lord. It is I am. Know that I am um, God. I, I will be who I will be, not who you make me. God is not who we want him to be. God does not adjust to us. We are expected to adjust to God. He is God, we are not. Know that the Lord is God, it is he who made us, and we are his, we are his people, the sheep of his pasture. So it's worth noting that he owns us. Uh, It's also worth noting that we're referred to here as sheep, uh, which is not a compliment. Um, You know, they are are well well down the the pecking order, well down the food chain. It's not just that, you know, George Orwell and Animal Farm sort of makes light of the sheep and they're not very bright, which they're not, maybe not as dumb as some people say they are, but they're pretty utterly defenseless and they are dependent beings. And so that is how we're being described. We're not a raptor or a cougar or a panther or a bear or something way up the food chain we're being described as sheep. And um, so sports teams uh, never use the word sheep, right? It's always, again, it's always something uh, with, with, with claws or uh, with sharp teeth or some uh, strength and speed. So the point is, we're being told that we are his sheep, owned by him. He is our shepherd. He cares for us. And he leads us beside still waters and restores our souls. For that, this week, this Thanksgiving week, you can and should be thankful. Have a good day.